In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Or is it good afternoon? Or is it good evening? I guess it depends on when you're listening to this. However, whenever it is you're listening to this, I'm hopeful that it's good. I had a great weekend because I'm recording this on Monday. I spoke with an incredible woman this weekend that had such an amazing story it was like the hero's journey and it made me think about how strong people can inspire the lives of all of us at times we all face adversity and at times we all face obstacles that we seem are insurmountable and often a lot of us get stuck And when we get stuck, I think it's important to turn to the stories of people who have made it through those tough times as an example. So much of the media today is commodified. And as a father who has a young daughter, I often worry about the examples for her to follow as far as strong women my wife is incredibly strong and beautiful and my mom and the, the women in my family are, I'm very fortunate they're all that way. The woman I spoke to today, Mrs. Mona Sheikh, is a stand-up comedian who came from Pakistan at the age of 14. She has overcome so many obstacles and the way she carries herself, her outlook on life and her ability to fight with the heart of a champion is really inspiring and I wish I'm hopeful that we'll be seeing more of her and I wish she was on prime time and giving talks at schools and I really admire her courage and I really admire her willingness to 
be open about life. And I really admire her. So that being said, I hope everyone here enjoys this interview with an incredible woman. And you can look her up on the internet, on Instagram. And uh, all her links will be in the notes for this particular podcast. So thank you. I hope you enjoy. Aloha. Hello. Oh, I'm so stoked. Mona, you are Dream amazing. Yard. Dream yard. How are you, George? I, I got, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous. I was a little stressed out there for a minute. But I feel much better now. Right? Thank you. Thank and you. you discovered a new platform. You can connect all your stuff on here. And you can... The world can get to know the greatness of George Monty. Ah, that is so kind of you to say that. Thank you. You're it's welcome. interesting because I was looking at similar platforms to try and understand how to connect everything. Yeah. And it's so nice to know someone that had gone through this that you can kind of piggyback their experience and, and have them teach you. I'm all about that piggyback. This back is strong. Let's do it. <laughs> it is strong. Mona, I've been watching some of your videos, and can I tell you something? Yes. I think you have one of the most amazing stories ever. And I do. Oh, George, that's so sweet. You're so kind. Thanks. Well, it's it's the truth. I mean, so for a lot of people in my audience that may not know you, maybe you can share a little bit with them how you got from Pakistan to becoming a successful stand-up comedian in, in L.A. On a boat. On a boat. Uh, no, <laughs> the boat ride would have taken way too long. Uh, also, I get seasick, so there's also that. Uh, how did I, you know, so my family story is, um, you know, you hear a lot of, like, immigrant stories, and I don't know how many immigrant stories you've heard, but uh, they usually are very similar in the sense, oh, I came here with $5 in my pocket, that kind of thing. Our family story is not so much about $5 in my pocket story. Our story is that I have four older brothers. I'm the youngest and the only girl out of uh, five kids <laughs> I, uh, because my parents didn't have a radio or a t television set. Uh, so we ended up being like five. And I was like, you guys didn't have any other form of entertainment? Like, <laughs> this? you just kept making people stop it. Uh, <laughs> Just stop it. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, I, uh, but the thing is that like in the seventies, uh, my second and my third brother uh, were given expired vaccination for polio and they ended up getting polio because of it. Mm. So my second and my third brother got polio. Of course, there was no treatment for them in Pakistan at the time or really around the surrounding areas. So my mom would write letters to hospitals around the world pretty much saying, hey, I have two sick kids. They need help. Like, I need to get them treatment. Uh, and then finally, after much trying and after much persistence and just kind of, you know, writing letters out, uh, Shriners Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky responded to our family and they were very kind. And they said, you know, if you guys just fly yourselves out here, we'll pay for everything. And that's how we started coming to America. But I didn't move until I was like 15. So my brothers were... I was like six months old when my mom left me behind, uh, which at the time I thought was horrible. I was like, oh my God, how could you leave a baby behind? And now I look back and I'm like, that was a good move. That was a really solid move. And I'm glad you did that. Um, mainly because also I think because of my early adult years, my mom wasn't around. Um, my mom is, uh, as an individual, is very, very strong, 
solid person. But the moment you kind of overlap her with the mom part, it just mm -hmm. gets uh, it gets fuzzy. It gets fuzzy, George. It gets fuzzy real fast. Um, <laughs> so you're just like, ah, you yeah, should have just stayed in that other part. Maybe the mom thing's not for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my mom was like just very strict, very, uh, you know, it's like a, like a Gestapo would be, you know, you know, kind of like that little Gestapo feeling going on. <laughs> So I guess, you know, as a kid, that doesn't really leave much room for you to grow. Uh, mm. But because my mom traveled to the U.S. so much to get my brothers treated, to, to get their treatments and stuff, I had a lot of free time on my hands. And that's where all the, uh, that's where all the funny thoughts started coming in. That's where <laughs> the funny started getting all funny up here. So uh, that was just like it ended up kind of becoming my skate to like write stories and create like funny, weird things. Um, and yeah, I think uh, for me, so like I moved out, my parents sent me here to live with my four older brothers because my parents never really lived here. They would just come visit. So they sent us here for to get educated and stuff. So my four brothers came here and then it was like, oh, do we send the girl or not? And my mom was like, no, 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 the girl totally goes. If the boys go, then the girl yeah. goes, which is totally kudos to my right. mom. You know, kudos to my mom. So uh, I got here and uh, yeah, I grew up, um, in uh, Jersey City, which I did not know was located in America, uh, <laughs> because the moment I got here, and I was like, "This can't be America. Uh, <laughs> there is no way in hell this is what America looks like." Because that's not what I saw on the movie Home Alone. <laughs> otherwise, I watched Home Alone, and it was very fancy in Home Alone. Uh, little did I know, uh, like suburbia is very different. Uh, then Jersey City. Uh, have you been to Jersey, George? Um, no, but I have a lot of I have like some way. family and friends from there. Okay, just keep it that way. They invite you, don't go. Don't okay. invite right. Just don't go. Or just meet them in New York City. Like, but right. now don't even go to New York City because it's like, it's like, it's like Rona land. It's like ridiculous. So I heard it's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. Um, but yeah, that's kind of. How I ended up, and uh, by the time I was 18, I had already kind of packed my bags and headed out. Um, little fun fact about my family: grew up, uh, I guess, uh, just grew up in a very kind of like a physically violent household. Like mm. my parents would fight a lot, uh, and uh, in the process, I would also get a lot of, you know, right. so grow up with like taking a lot of shots. Uh, and then as an adult, I ended up falling in love with boxing. And I was like, I get it. I get why I like boxing. Because two people get to beat the crap out of each other. Unlike my childhood, where only one person gets to get the shit kicked out of them. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Okay. Uh, but I, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, yeah. So I think uh, even as, a, you know, when I moved out here, uh, I lived with my four older brothers. And um, even that was a pretty... That was a very violent household too. My brothers were also very physically violent towards me, so I was just like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here before like shit goes crazy. So when I turned eighteen, I got into a fight with them one night. I just packed my bags and I left, and I never looked back. So I've just been on my own ever since. So that was like five years ago. What do you think are the chances? Do you know any other women that, from Pakistan that made it to LA and do what you do? 
Um, in in my journey, like the way I did, none. Yeah, I don't know anybody. Do you know any other women from any other country that have done what you've done? Mm, not that I know of. No. Do you? Are you beginning to see how amazing you are to have to do what you did? You're very kind. Look, there might be stories out there that I just haven't heard. It doesn't be like, you know, I'm so like, woo. But no, my story is very unique in the sense that, like, I don't know anybody like myself, uh, especially from my background. I don't know anybody because most of the people I know of my background, you know, they came with their families and sure. they live in their homes. Like they went to school and their parents supported them or whatever, or didn't yeah. support them, but they didn't grow up with this kind of, this level of tumultuous and chaos like I did. It's It seems to me that sometimes the people we think that have, that are the most unfortunate have the most opportunity. And like when I, when I hear, the story that you just told me. Yeah. Like I had this weird philosophy that like the world, the world makes you go through tragic events because it loves you. And it's like, you know what? I think that this person can handle this tragic event and come out of it better and teach people. You know, I think that that's the way the world works. And it, unfortunately it breaks a lot of people, but the yeah. world puts you specifically through something because it believes in you. And it's like, this girl can do it. And when she gets through it, She's she's gonna be a she's gonna start off like this block of of concrete or this block of marble and I'm gonna take this hammer and this chisel and I am gonna whack it as hard as I can but when I'm done you're yeah. gonna have the most beautiful work of art you've ever seen and then people are gonna look at that work of art and and want to be like that and hear the story of that and when I when I hear stories of 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 yours like and I I see strong women and I try to apply it to my life like, I think that's the purpose of tragedy and I think that's the purpose of of going through life and facing adversity and coming out the other side and telling your story is so that, you know, you, you, you influence people and you tell people. And the truth is, Mona, I, I believe the people you're going to help, you may never know them, but your yeah. story can be a story that, you know, there could be a girl right now in Pakistan that's like, there's this girl, Mona, that went to LA and became a comedian. And as far as, Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the Muslim faith, it's probably not very, very looked high upon to become an artist, right? Especially yeah. for a woman. Not, not at all. I mean, my brother, I remember very specifically telling me, he's like, you mean you want to be a whore? I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, he's like, you mean you want to be a whore? And I was like, whores get paid a lot more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should switch professions because I love right now we get paid in drink tickets do you understand right. like whores walk out with 200 dollars and up like do you understand how much more value whores have than comedians <laughs> like we're on the bottom rung of things like how what are you talking about but yeah my, i remember my brother very specifically telling you that and i was just like i guess uh we'll find out uh so you know uh but yeah i, I that's the uh, uh, sadly, that is the mentality. But, you know, let me tell you something, uh, you know, and I, I am a very kind of uh, outspoken person about this. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is tremendous, uh, there's tremendous, I, I think there's hypocrisy in every culture and every faith. Mm. Um, and I don't know, sorry, and, uh, you know, pardon me if, you, if you're religious or, you know. <laughs> you know I'm, I mean, I'm almost unoffendable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I am not, I don't consider myself a religious person. I do 
consider myself a a culturally culturally muslim person i okay. do consider myself a very spiritual person nice. because of the level of adversity that i have been through i don't think i would have been able to survive had i not had that kind of connection with god the way i do and sure. that actually has nothing to do with organized faith that has to do with my my connection my just personal personal line to god you know yeah. uh, just kind of having faith and having see see things come things come through when times were really really hard like times were really really difficult i mean i you have to understand like imagine imagine a young girl comes from another country at 15 she has to leave home by 18 uh there is no money there's no job prospects uh there is like literally nothing there's like nothing lined up it's just like i'm looking at like a blank space and i'm just saying look i would rather sleep on the sidewalk than go back to a home where i'm consistently beaten and disrespected right i would rather sleep on the sidewalk right and for me honestly i look back on it i'm like i was a little I was a little nuts back then. Like, holy moly. Like, I won't do that shit today. If somebody's less like, I'm like, you know what? Let's work it out. How many punches are we talking? Like two punches a day? Let's work out two punches a day. Uh, you know, I mean, I just, I, it was just, I was just like, no. I think, I think when you're young, you kind of have that vigor and that kind of energy. But, you know, as you age, my knees are like, I'm like, look, I, I can't, I, I can't do this. Um, yeah, I can't do this. I, I need to stay here and lie on the couch for a little bit. The couch is very comfortable. Uh, I can't get up. This is too much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I have a lot of, um, it's interesting when I do shows and people walk up to me and uh, talk to me and they're like, oh my God, your story inspired me so much or, or you, you know, you gave me these breakthroughs or uh, you helped me, uh, you know, overcome my fear. I mean, those That's things awesome. are, that, those things are like the most, um, to me, like, like, it's nice. It's nice to get, you know, being featured in Forbes magazine. It's nice yeah. to, you know, on all these like LA Times, LA Weekly, all these places. But I think for me, the ultimate reward is having gone through the kind of experiences that I have is somebody walking up to me and being like, you know what? I'm not afraid anymore because of X, because you, I saw you do it. And then I'm no longer afraid of that, you know? And I'm like, right. oh, oh, that is, that's awesome. Like yeah. that's awesome, that's powerful, you know? That's the kind of stuff that, that really kind of motivates me, you know? Yeah, it, I, so as I've, like I've had some similar issues. I've had issues of tragedy, not unlike your issues of tragedy. Like I've, when I, I was molested when I was younger. Mm. And then it's, it's amazing to see how that, first off, it, it ruins the, a family unit, you know? Yeah. And it, it causes a lot of problems in between the family and it takes, Whenever there's a tragedy at a young age, I think it takes that young person a very difficult amount of time to integrate that particular situation into their life and make sense of it and understand. Mm -hmm. But it's also that tragedy that forces the rose colored glasses off your face and it forces you to see reality the way it is instead of the way you want it to be. And as yeah. difficult as that is at a young age, it's incredibly empowering as you get older because you have been given in a weird way, you've been given this gift of foresight and you yeah. can see, I bet you Mona, I bet you can see young girls that are probably, that are probably going through 
what you went through. Like you can see in them how you felt when you were young and you have this ability to, oh, this person's going through something. Oh, this person is in a bad situation. And because you went through it, now you can see that in other people. You know, I, yeah. I, met, I met this girl one time at the park where my kid plays sometimes. And, you know, I, I was starting to talk to her and we, uh, you know, they would go down on Saturdays and they became friends with our family. And, and I remember her on the phone and she was like, kind of mad and yelling and stuff. I'm like, oh, and she got off the phone. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, you know what? I don't talk to my family anymore. Like I haven't talked to them in 10 years and this person's trying to get a hold of me and they're just disgusting. Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden something triggered in my mind and I started looking at her. And then like I noticed the, the relationship she had with her husband was like really conservative. And then I started listening to the way she was talking to her kid. Like, hey, don't, don't talk to them. And I, I could see in her something that had happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, it just kind of all fit together a little bit and I could see the pain in her. And, you know, I, I told her one time, I says, you know, when, when it comes to your family, like it seems like something may have happened to you that you're holding on to, you know? And she kind of looked at me like crazy. And I'm like, but the funny thing is what happened to you, people go to college to go, people go to college and they take all these classes in psychology to learn how to deal with people. Yeah. But what happened to you, you got to learn it for free. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm not sure if that came out the way I wanted it to, but I guess I'm trying to say that you can see in other people the, the tragedy that happened to you and you have the ability to help them. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I'm so sorry that you experienced that and that, that, that is so absolutely devastating. I, uh, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't experience uh, molestation, but I did have an uncle who came over to molest me. And I remember that very specifically because uh, I was about 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old, no more than that. Um, but I didn't know back then. Yeah. That I was very slick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you came to the wrong girl, uncle. Right? You don't even understand this. Yeah. That's just not going to work for you. Right. Uh, yeah. He came over and I, uh, and I, I think I really, um, you know, it's just like when you don't grow up in an environment where you don't really get to see your worth because people around you, your own family does not let you see your own worth. Uh, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I curse on this show? Absolutely. Whatever you want. Absolutely. Um, I always believe, and this is something that I always talk about is you have to unfuck yourself, right? Mm. Your job as an adult to yeah. unfuck yourself. You Yes, shit happened to you. Yes, tragedy occurred, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, are you going to continuously live your life as if you are still in that place? Or are you going to live your life as the person that you are today? Yeah. So, and how do you do yourself? Do, do that to yourself. You have to unpuck yourself. You have to go to therapy. I mean, look, I've been in therapy right. for 13 years. I am a huge advocate of therapy. Yeah. You know, mental health is one of the most underrated things in the world, in the world. Like people dismiss mental health like it's nothing. It's like, no, mental health is everything. I mean, everything we do on a daily basis, our existence, how we react to people, how we interact with family members, the, fa the way that people have children and the kind of shit that pass on to their kids. But the fact that they don't even understand their own psychology and is passing this this trash onto their kids right. like right. take the 
time to go to therapy. Take the time to work on yourself. Take right. the time to fix that part of yourself. And you, you may call it, you know, mental therapy. I, To me, like, I have been able to channel my spirituality through mental health. Like, the fact right. that I'm going to therapy, that has single-handedly, you know, not ended up making me a freaking basket case. You know? Right, so I was, right. Like, like, I, 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 I'm not, like, in a freaking straitjacket, okay? I, right, like, right. Get out of the straight. Get out of the very straight jacket that people put you in, right? right? You have to. You have to get back to that true person of who you were before people started fucking with you, right? right. You have to like. You have to get back to you, and that's your job. That's your responsibility to get back to that. You know, um, right. to, in order to live the life that you want to. And I, I am a, I'm a huge advocate of it. I think I, I listen. I'm not perfect. I definitely have moments. I slip back. I have moments where. Uh, I'm depressed where I can't get out of bed for two days and I have to literally have a conversation with myself. Yeah. There are these two sides of me, you know, there is the depressed kid in me and then there is the adult that constantly like pulls that kid out of that depression. You know, yeah. I understand those two things about myself, but I think a lot of people on a daily basis suffer and don't even know that these conversations are happening in their head because there's no awareness, right? Because yeah. no because when you're in your head, it's all very subjective, but you need a person who's sitting on the outside, who's looking at things objectively to point things out to you and be like, look, this is what, these are your patterns. Like, this is how you do things and it's right. not working for you. So let me give you some tools that will help you. Let me give yep. you, let me show you some pathways that will be a lot more productive for you rather than, you know, shooting up drugs and, you know, or drinking yourself silly because yeah. that's, that's the only way you self-medicate yourself. I think there are, you know, other healthier ways to do that. You can meditate, you can go for a walk, you can go hiking, you can go swimming, you can go bike riding, you can go many other ways to channel that energy rather than, you know, um, I don't know, eat a bunch of Twinkies to feel good about yourself, which is usually what I do in the pandemic, but that's besides the point. You know, it's interesting too, because th that feeling, I think sometimes people that are in destructive patterns, like when you get into that that emotion of rage, like you can fuel yourself with rage. And like, yeah. if you get into like that feeling of hate, like you can, you can fu fuel yourself, it's very toxic, but you can use it as energy, you know, and I think a lot of people get yeah. stuck in these yeah. different emotions and they don't know how to get out, like you said, and they, they don't understand their pattern of thinking and they don't understand yes. why they things, or maybe they, they don't want to think about it. Like they don't want to go back and solve it because they're ashamed or there's something wrong. They think there's something yeah. wrong with them, but they don't want to relive it maybe, but I mean, it's I imperative. Think... It's imperative that you figure it out for yourself and you move forward because you can't ever continue your life until you solve that issue that happened to you. hundred percent. I mean, I don't know about you. Like, did you end up going to therapy for what you experienced as a kid? Absolutely. Yeah, I did. And I, I mean, How did, way, did it help you? I'm sorry. Did it help you going to therapy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that path of therapy led to me doing just an incredible amount of reading and, a, and mm -hmm. an incredible amount, learning how to be honest with myself. I think that that event, kind of made me who I am today. And in a weird way, it's not like I'm proud of it, but in a weird way, like, I think it made me, like I said, have to see the world the way it is. And I think it made me a, a more caring and loving and helpful person to, to integrate all that. Like it takes a lot of work. Like if you go to therapy, you have to do a lot of work on yourself to figure out 
what does this mean? Does it hurt me? What about the person that did it to me? Like, I, I feel more, I feel worse for that person because that it happened to that person and that person's life was destroyed. And like, they beat themselves up worse than I beat myself up, you know? And yeah. for, for someone to go through a situation, whether it would be abuse at the home or any kind of tragedy in that event, if you get through it, once you walk that perilous pathway to clarity, you're going to come out better and you're going to be able to help people. And like, I've been able to help, like, I think one thing we share is that because of that adversity, we've been able to help people. When you can help other people and you can see kind of the light begin to blossom in their mind and be like, oh yeah, you're right. I never thought about it like that. Or, oh my gosh, maybe that is why I'm so artistic. Or maybe that's why I push myself into this outlet. Like when you can help other people, I think that that's the greatest gift you can do. And then when you look at it from that angle, maybe that's why that even happened to you. That even happened to you because somewhere along the line, path, God, or whatever divine creator you believe in, wanted to use you as a conduit, a conduit to help other people. And that's, yeah. that's the way I think that I've integrated it and it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, um, I feel like the, I feel like the ultimate, um, kind of ranking of spirituality, um, is helping others, yeah. you know, that's like really the ultimate, right? I mean, it's one thing to gather, you know, money and fame and that stuff. It's like, oh, I, that stuff's sure. It's nice. I'm not, it's nice. I'm not yeah. going to lie about it. But I think the, the ultimate is, you know, I look, I, I see a lot of, you know, being in LA, see a lot of, see a lot of celebrities, meet a lot of, a lot of very established people. Um, and I see how they are like, you know, they make money and they're very well in their careers and stuff like that. But I don't see them kind of their kind of spiritual journey kind of going to the next level why they, where they want to help people, right? It's yeah. not in them. Like they don't want to because right. they want to just gather just like it's mine. I don't want to share this, you know? And I think for me, for me, I think I'm maybe I'm just like wired that way. I think I've always been that way as a kid. But also, also I want to give like, you know, a kudos to my parents because my parents were also very generous people they also generously beat the shit out of us but they were also generously uh you know also very uh generous and um you know helping p other people you know i saw my parents like genuinely go out of their way to help people and i think that yeah. really instilled this thing in me where i was just like oh helping is good like helping is you know helping help. I, I and i think as an adult for me it's just become more about uh you know about feeling good you know it's just yeah. like it feels good like you don't have to give me anything back it just feels good to help how can it i help? you know um and i think for me it's like that's i that that's what i do you know i i don't think in terms of just building a table for yourself like it's like how big and how long can your table be how yeah. many people can you invite to your table that's a great analogy yeah how many people can you invite to your table? You should. I was like, oh, we have another chair. Yeah, come on in. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah, you too. Come on in. You know, you're welcome. Have a seat. Take a to, you know, make yourself at home. And I think for me, it's like that's uh that I, I don't know. That's that's kind of how I try to live my life as much as I can. Yeah, I have a I have a young daughter and I was, you know, it seems to me that there is some of the things on TV, and I'm, I'm originally from San Diego, so I spent a lot of time in California. Ah, look at that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so when I moved to Hawaii. Where in Hawaii so, are you, by the way? Um, in Oahu. 
Wow, what a nice experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Hawaii is, I think it's the most beautiful place on the planet. And mm. I didn't realize how sick I was until I moved to Hawaii. And like, mm -hmm. I started like talking to people here and I started realizing the, the my patterns of speech. And my, a lot of my speech patterns prior to moving here were like, Dude, I got a Lincoln Navigator, and then I, I was living by the water, and uh, you know, to, oh, I met this one girl. Like, so much of my thought process was like what I have, and like that—that's how I—that's how I like that was how I understood myself was based on my possessions. Mm -hmm. And when I moved out here, like it was—it was like a—it was like dying and being reborn because so many people were like, "You're so what are you talking about? You are so." dumb you're so gross like what who cares about what you had and i'm like what i'm just trying to like i'm just saying the same things i said back home that made friends and and for so long you know it's a transition it takes a while to rebuild and regrow and, and reimagine yourself and after a while i would call back to some of my friends and like i could hear their speech patterns but mine had changed and it was like i got to hear what i used to sound like by talking to some of my older friends and i was like oh my yeah God, that's what yeah. You know, and like, yeah. Another thing for me moving out here as like, you know, my, as a white guy who grew up in Caucasian Acres in San Diego, when I moved, that's not a real place, but when I um, moved out here to Hawaii, there's so much more culturally diverse. It's such a rich culture of people from all over the world. And when I began to get exposed to that and I began to get exposed to people that speak tonal languages versus English and different cultures and different methods, it just, it was like, my mind blew up. And I, I began to realize when I speak to people, if I speak to someone from maybe Korea or from maybe Laos that, you know, they, they have a tonal language. So if I get real close to them and I'm like, you know, I could say the same thing However, if I change the tone, it could be offensive or it could be not offensive. And as I as I've moved further on my journey and I'm still learning, like the way we communicate to people is is barely we're like barbarians. It seems like it seems like we, we have a very difficult time explaining stuff. And so I've I've come to this conclusion that language and communication can change the world if people take time to travel and not only talk to other people but take a few moments to understand the culture in which that other person is coming from, then and only then can you understand what that person cares about and feels about and, and how to talk to them. And yeah, our communication is, it's, it just, it saddens me because no one ever sits down and takes time to like define their terms or, or yes. I spent so much time thinking of things to say when I should have been listening. Yeah. You know I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I, you know, I think that's more of like, that's a very American thing. You know, I think like having grown up here and having more spent more time in the US and it's like when I travel to Europe or when I travel out to Asia or whatever, I, I feel like the ugly American sometimes because <laughs> sometimes I'm just like loud. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so the ugly American. Right now. <laughs> um, I remember going to London uh, to do shows and stuff. And I remember being in London at a bar and just talking to my friend and, uh, and just being, just being, just being fucking American. Right. Right. Like, ah. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember like them looking at me, I was like, 
Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Wow, where is my level of awareness right now? And I think um, that's why I think people need to travel. Yeah. Travel, like go out, like step outside your town. Yeah, see how yeah. other people live, get perspective. And I think, I feel like a lot of people, because because if you don't, I think, I think traveling is like the single greatest gift you can give to yourself, quite frankly. Uh, more than like buying a stupid BMW or, you know, I mean, I, I met people like adults, like in their 40s. And they're like, never left the country. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean never left the country? They're like, never left the country. I'm like, but you have three kids before you had three kids. Mm -hmm. You didn't think about maybe traveling the world. What about for your honeymoon? You don't want to go out there? Like, no, just, just went to San Diego and had my honeymoon there. Really? Really? Right. You don't want to just venture out and do this big planet we live on? You don't want to? Yeah. You don't want to do that, but I guess some people don't see it as priority. And I quite frankly think um, as human beings, we kind of owe it to ourselves that if you are in a position of traveling and have enough means to travel, like it will single-handedly, you know, add so much value to your life. It will add so much value to you as a person. What it does for you uh, is I don't think I can even put it in words quite frankly i mean for me like i think the besides the all the all the bullshit that i've been through in my life i think for me travel has single-handedly also uh, raised so much of my awareness has you know at it, it has just made me a better person because i no longer look at life or the world just from my own filter it's just like wow this these are all these different people how they're just trying to they're all trying to get to the same thing right i feel yes. like um, not to get a little dark, but when September 11th happened, I was in New York City, right? So right. as a Muslim person, I mean, we were experiencing a lot of backlash, right? It was just like these Muslims and this and that. Um, but I, I feel like as time has passed by and as more Muslims have come, I, I guess, come up and have been a little bit more in people's periphery like myself there are a lot of other muslim comics like actors you know change makers journalists yeah that kind of weird twisted like we have like we're just walking around saying allah wakbar all day I'm just like, <laughs> nobody got time like that man i don't have time like that like walking around like doing jihad i'm like you know what my jihad is passing by ben and jerry's and not walking in that's my right. freaking jihad okay <laughs> Jihad means struggle, okay? And I feel like so many people uh, don't have that because they never travel. They don't know. They never met a Muslim person. They don't know what it's like. That they were like a bunch of freaking weird aliens that are just like from another planet, just out here fucking killing everybody. It's just like, dude, I don't have time like that. Like, I got jokes to write. Let's go, people. Let's go. I don't have time to do this level of hatred that you're describing to me now are there are there people that who want to hurt other people including you and me they by the way have no prejudice they want to kill me as much as they want to kill you right right are those assholes out there absolutely i am yeah. not denying that for one second but please also put this th thing in perspective right i feel like i was like making this joke recently that i feel like if every religion and every race, you know, the good people uh, or the more sane people got together in every race and every culture, and were just like putting a stop to the assholes in their culture, the world would be so much of a better place. You yeah. know what I mean? 
like, you know, it's just like all the good people are just gathering and saying, you know, and at any time an asshole is like, oh, I don't hate, I don't like that race. Just slap them. Just slap yeah. them right across the face and say, shut your mouth and sit down. Like, you don't know. You don't know. Like, take the time to know somebody. Like, take the time, you know? Uh, and I think that level, and I think when you travel, that level of ignorance subsides, it, it, just like in your case, right? Yeah. You don't even I mean, you just went to Hawaii and you were like, yeah. my, my world has changed. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm a big uh, advocate of, uh, I mean, I know because of the Rona, we can't really travel right now. But right. when we do um, travel, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, I, I encourage that a lot. I think there's a lot of value to be had. And I think... Uh, and also, you won't sound so dumb when you talk. That's so true. <laughs> you know what I think about? Like, I get so saddened right now to see how divided like our country is. And when we speak of travel, when I was really lucky when I was in high school that we I had a foreign exchange student come from Sweden. Oh wow! And like the guy was amazing. He's just he became like a like an, I, I never had an older brother. I have one older sister, but I never had an older brother. And he became like this icon for me. And it was just like this explosion of culture that came into my life. And it, mm -hmm. it, it really helped to expand my idea of what people are and what the world is. And when I think about our country, yeah. like, you know, if what if there was some sort of program where in since we're reimagining education right now, what if kids from like New York could go spend time, like part of their schooling would be to spend six months in Kentucky with a family and that they sit down and they talk and they're like, hey, this is here's why we think this and here's why we think this. You know, I, I've always found that when I sat down with someone that I was maybe didn't think the same as, I might not have come out thinking the same as them, but I came out with a perspective of like, I totally get their point. Like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And sometimes when we're so we have these walls up where we're like, I'm not even gonna talk to that person. Like it's, it's when you get to the point where you say, I'm not gonna talk to that person, you get to the point where you can't move forward. Yeah. And so like, I've been thinking a lot about education and how do we, how do we, you know, turn the lies and hate to love and truth. And the only way to do that is to have a conversation. And it just seems to me like sometimes we're at a point where we can't have a conversation. And Yeah, I feel like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the U.S. education system is rated one of the lowest education systems yeah. in the world. I mean, yeah. you know, when I moved at 15, the math that we were doing in 11th grade and high school here, I had done that in eighth grade in Pakistan. Just it's to give so you sad. Just to give you it's so sad. Yeah. I, my, I was so good at it that I would just sit in class because I was, get, I was getting straight A's that mm -hmm. I didn't have to take the final exam because I just, I didn't need to. And right. my teacher specifically told me, can you please just sit in the class so the other students won't feel bad that you don't have to take an exam? <laughs> and I was like, sure, sure. Right. I will sit here so other people don't feel bad, right? But yeah, I feel like A, our education system needs an, a, a massive, a, a massive upgrade. I, yeah. I absolutely believe that. That's number one. Number two, I, I think a lot of people confuse education. Somehow people think that if you're educated, your ignorance is not there. No, that has nothing to do with it. You can still be educated and still be ignorant. You yeah. still can. I mean, I see it. I see it in the Pakistani community where we have doctors and engineers and lawyers, successful, super educated, 
Mm-hmm. Some of the dumbest shit comes out of their mouth. You're just like, did you listen to you? <laughs> you sound like an idiot, you know? And people, but they're educated. Yeah, but they're also ignorant. Like right. education does not always equal not ignorance. You can still be ignorant. I think a lot of the ignorance goes away is I think when traveling comes into place, interacting with other people comes in place. That is the real life education. Like you can go and get a college degree and partied your way all through school and not learn shit. Like you're just like, I'm in debt and now I gotta like work odd jobs to pay off my student debt. But I didn't learn anything. I really didn't learn anything, right? Maybe going to, yes, going to college helps you kind of develop social skills. You'd learn how to interact with people, but that is an expensive social skill education. Yep. Right? 75% of of college and university grads do not use their degrees. It is a scam. I'm sorry. I am a college dropout. I am not a fan of education in that sense that, you know, if you don't know what you're going to college for, don't go. Don't go go to a trade school. Go learn some other skill set. You know, Elon Musk was asked, would you send your kids to college? And he goes, absolutely not. My kids would go to a trade school. Smart. Right. Because he knows a lot of kids go to school. They just party, right? Have a good time, put in whatever paperwork, get their degree. And then, and they're like, I don't, I don't know what I did for the past four years. I really don't, you know, and I'm just, I'm not an advocate of that. I just don't care. I'd rather you take that money and maybe travel. Yeah. That is an incredible education you're going to get. Yeah. If you come back, enlightened probably came up with some great freaking ideas of maybe you know you want to go maybe live abroad for a little bit and do something incredible but rather than just oh i partied my life away for the past four years and now i don't know you know now i have a college debt i have still you know all this school debt that i gotta pay off and i have friends like that you know they're still they make really good money but they have all this student debt they're just like i I'm, I'm trying to pay it down, but it's so expensive. But so coming back to the point about, you know, education, I feel our education system, also our education system is not designed for entrepreneurs, not in the slightest. There is not a single school that I can go to as an entrepreneur that would teach me what I have learned in real life. There's just no way, you know, in college, we don't even teach basic things, change, how to change your car's tire, basic things, how to check a balance, a checkbook. How to save money, how much money, how much part of your paycheck should be. If you were not fortunate enough to have parents who were, you know, who taught you how to take care of money, how to invest money, you're screwed. Like, screwed. You're going to come out and just going to, you know, spend all your money like I did uh, because I didn't know any better. At a very young age, I was making a lot of money. And like an idiot, I just spent it. I don't know. I don't know any better. I didn't have that kind of finance education. Finance education basic skills on every single day of how you know you live your life i mean teach kids how to like make a meal for themselves teach them how to grow vegetables like basic stuff man that they can actually use that comes in handy rather than you teaching me about like e equals mc squared that i'm never freaking gonna use now i'm not putting e equals mc squared down if you're going to become a chemist or whatever is it that you're going to become but for me that's useless right Right. that's useless um i feel like I feel like there needs to be some kind of some kind of test or something uh, that kind of also puts children on their paths. Like, hey, this is your strong suit. You should try to pursue this. You know, don't try to. You know, Einstein was asked. Uh, uh, Einstein was asked about a genius, like what the definition of genius. And I'm totally mm-hmm. pointing this out, paraphrasing. And they're like, yeah, 
if if you ask a fish to climb a tree, it's gonna think it's stupid for the rest of its life. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, but it, but it's true, right? Yeah. A fish is swim. A fish right. is not going to climb a tree. You right. know. Uh, so I, I feel like those kind of critical thinking processes that I'm talking about are not there. Children are kids in school are not made to have critical thinking capabilities. They're just not. You know, they don't they don't have that. You know, you ask them about their opinions. Kids are being kind of told a narrative and they're just believe believing narrative. I'm not saying that's for all, but I believe that there has to be certain level of critical thinking that has to be incorporated pretty early on. I'm talking about yeah. as young as like middle school. Incorporate yeah. that. That they're gonna they're gonna go on to become they're the future of the world. Yeah. That. Like that's important. You know? Yeah, we did. Um, I went to a, a parent-teacher conference a while back, and when like, I'm real lucky, I'm, I'm real lucky. My my daughter goes to a really awesome school, and in the interview for the school, the Is it a teacher school or private private school. Oh. And um, you know, during the interview for the, we were talking to the teacher, and she was she'd asked our thoughts on education, and you know, I I had done some reading on it and if you look at the american education system it's it's based on like the prussian system of training obedient workers and that's why you have bells and whistles and 30 kids sitting down and a teacher standing up so they look up to them and they're not they're not trained to think critically they're trained to be obedient workers and they're trained to do what they're told they're trained to be smart enough to fill out paperwork but not get in the way of understanding the guy on the top is stealing everything they don't want them in the way of that they don't want them smart enough to do all that stuff and so you know there's a there's a better way to do it and i think that if you if you look at the technology we're using, I, I read this incredible book. It's called Technopoly by Neil Postman. And he yeah. talks, he starts off the book about talking about uh, how for every new technology we use, it takes something away. And the example that he used was that he went all the way back to like Plato. And in, in, in the, there's a story in Plato's, I don't think it's Plato's Republic, but it's in, there's this story that talks about how the creation of writing, when it talks about how writing was created and it says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to establish this form of communication called writing and it's going to help everybody remember stuff. And the rebuttal to the guy who said writing was good said, listen, you're going to establish this form of communication that gives the appearance of intelligence people are going to be able to read other people's experience yeah. and be able to talk about it but they don't have that experience so while they're going to sound intelligent they're going to be dumb because they don't have the experience and you can't teach something if you haven't had experience and so i think moving forward on education one thing we can do is teach the history of every subject you know whether it's english or whether it's math like i think every subject should have a, a foundation in history, you know, and, th and that helps with the critical thinking. It helps with the child understanding why you're learning this and why it's important and what happened in the past with this particular subject. And I, I think that education is gonna change forever right now. And that, that's a good thing. I think yeah. that I, when I think about the coronavirus, I, I think that there's some really positive changes happening that are cloaked in this shadow of despair like a lot of people are really worried right now and scared and but 
one thing I've noticed, Mona, is like the people's eye contact because everyone's wearing a mask. Like you have mm -hmm. to look at people's eyes. And I have, mm -hmm. I have, I've failed to notice for so long how beautiful eye contact is with people. And if you just, if you're staring at someone's eyes, it's almost like the communication is more pure. And yeah. For so long, we have been caught up in this community where we're going and moving and, and now we're forced if you want to know what someone's saying under their mask you really have to pay attention you got to look at them in the eyes and i think that's a positive change and mm. i think that there's some cool things happening here and i'm not sure how it's i got to here. i mean listen the, the the reckoning that is 2020 somebody said to me if you look at 2020 what else is 2020 yeah a vision is 2020 yes. it's totally clear that's 2020 and i feel like that's exactly what's happening. I mean, look at all the uh, all all the people that have been doing wrong for so long. Uh, there is a there is a level of reckoning that's happening on a level that you, we've never seen before. Yeah, we're seeing very very powerful people being brought down in a way that we never saw that we never thought that they would come down on you know those kind of truths will will come forward and their their, their bullshit was going to be exposed. So I feel like twenty twenty as bad as it is. I mean, the fact that we have a thousand Americans dying every day, mm -hmm. uh, 80, you know, every 80 seconds an American dies right now. We have over 161,000 dead Americans, but that could have been prevented. Um, right. Two of my girlfriends have passed away. Uh, one was 43, one was 47, uh, very, very young. Um, my friends, uh, both parents died two weeks apart from each other because of COVID. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, the, like death is, uh, death is very much present, right? It's right. just our life is very fickle. Like, yeah. is, like we could all, we could just be gone. Like this virus is not, uh, this virus is not like, oh, oh, you're, uh, oh, you're Pakistani. Oh, I'm going to spare you. So let yeah, me it doesn't talk. care. It's for everybody. And I yeah. feel like the level of the, the way the leveling is happening. I, I, if, if this isn't making us, um, recognize our humanity and realizing that, we are all pretty much on like that same level. Like at the end of the day, yeah. um, as powerful as we may think we are and as, you know, as strength and how much money we have and all that, at the end of the day, the virus is like, I really don't give a shit. Not one day. <laughs> yeah. There is no vaccine out. There's no real mm -hmm. treatment out. So you're going to suffer just like everybody else, right? Yeah. Whether you're a billionaire or whether you're poor, right? Yeah. Everybody's kind of suffering of, you know, the, the virus is going to come and get you now. There is a different thing, and I think a lot of uh, celebrities got mocked for it, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, Gal Gadot, who played uh, Wonder Woman. I don't know if you yes. saw the movie. Yes. You know, she made a video about the song Imagine with, like, her bunch of celebrity friends. Like, imagine all the... And it was like, <laughs> bitch, shut the fuck up. Like... <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, okay? Right, right, you, don't right. Know, you don't know yeah. what it's like. You yeah. know, you're sitting in your fancy home with your rich husband yeah, and like, yeah. you, know, you have your bills paid. You don't know what it's like for somebody who works for Lyft or d delivers food for Postmates or, you know, lost their jobs and have to yeah. feed a family and have to pay rent or, you know, they can't make mortgage. Like, what's going to happen? You know, it's like, imagine. I sh Stop it. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Imagine you shut the fuck up. How about you imagine? How yeah. about you know, let's imagine that. So I think a lot of celebrities, like uh, Ellen got in a lot of trouble. Look, Ellen's in a lot of trouble right now. Ellen's generous, like right. toxic environment uh, that she has created all these years. That reckoning is happening right now as we speak. Um, I personally know a girlfriend of mine who uh, actually her article just came out. 
uh, about uh, what uh, Por- how Portia and uh, Ellen treated her uh, and try mm-hmm. to get her fired from her job. Um, you know, it's just like that level of reckoning is happening for a reason because uh, humans have been fucking up. They've been yeah. fucking up for a long yep. time. Not exclusive to America, across the country, across the world. Like people have been messing up. And yeah. I think 2020 is such a reminder, such a big reminder of how vulnerable we really are, regardless of how wealthy or poor we are. Right. The great equalizer. The great equalizer. I mean, it's just it was just leveling the field, man. Just leveling it out, you know? Yeah. Um, which uh is good, but also is of course very bad because there are people who are dying that we could have just been prevented it could have it could have been prevented you know yeah. um uh somehow we are uh we value doctors when we have to get surgery and uh or we end up breaking our uh leg or you know uh have to be treated for cancer or aids or whatever but but somehow when it comes to the virus people somehow are just like i don't believe the doctors right. i don't believe the scientists well you believe them before right why aren't you believing them now Right? Oh, they're changing their story uh, every day. They're not changing their story. They're just learning things in real time. They they don't know anything about this virus. So what they're doing is they're trying to work as hard as they can. I have two scientist friends. One scientist friend, he's in Germany. He's he was he's one of the lead. He's also my ex, but he's one of the lead cancer research scientists. Right? Mm-hmm. He's wonderful, brilliant man. And yeah. I had him on, and we talked about how in germany they've been able to take measures and been able to reduce the virus in a you know uh in a pretty short period of time and how they've been how how they've managed to do that and one of the key things is a people don't know angela merkel one of my absolute heroes who i love and adore is also a scientist right like talk about being a friggin' overachiever it's like oh we get it we get it you're like a scientist and you're the leader of uh, the, the the strongest nation in your in European Union. We get it. You're an overachiever. What are you? What are you, Indian, Pakistani? Because that's what our <laughs> expect us from. Right. <laughs> Be like these massive overachievers, you know. Right. Oh, what's the next move? You're gonna go to the planet by go to the moon by yourself? What's gonna happen next, Angela? We get it. Um, I love her. I love her to pieces. She's great. Uh, and he was talking about. The uh, the the Angela Merkel <laughs> went on national television in Germany and said, "Okay, guys, we have two options: either we can take extreme measures, shut everything down for a period of time, for a few number of weeks, bring this you know virus down because it's not going to have host to carries, right? It's not gonna it's not gonna spread like the way it's spreading, or we can just be like uh, a little bit strict, just wear masks, do the social distancing. What do you guys prefer?" overwhelming majority of german germany voted for extreme measures yeah i asked him why is that he goes the reason being italy and spain is right next door to us they had so many dead bodies that they had to call in their military to store the bodies on the military bases they didn't have they didn't they were running out of body bags that's how many people were dying on a daily basis so Germany got freaked out and they were like, we don't want this. We don't want to run out of body bags like Germans dying. Like, are you freaking kidding me? We are going to take extreme measures. And so they did. Yeah. There are lunatics in Germany who were taking it out to the streets and they were like, you know, uh, you know, we we're not going to wear a mask and this and that. And the rest of the country was just like, shut the fuck up. Go home. Wear a mask. <laughs> 
we don't need to hear this shit. Right, right. right. So, I mean, yes, education is a big deal, but there's also the, those people are educated, right? Yeah. Those people are educated who are going out, taking it to the streets and saying, we're not going to wear masks. But the other, the overwhelming majority is like, shut the fuck up, go home. We don't need this. We need to control this virus. And they've been quite, they've been very, very successful at it. You know, they've been very, very successful at it. So I feel like in America, we are seeing this side of Americans uh, that we do existed, right? We kind of knew it on the side, in the back of our head, but now it's just all coming to a head where, um, you know, uh, not to get political, but it is, uh, it is relative to this conversation. Yeah. Our leader somehow keeps dismissing, um, you know, research uh, and, and scientists, uh, the, 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 the wonderful and amazing Dr. Fauci, who I, I, I really like, um, and somehow keep dismissing what the scientists have to say, you know, because he want, he has a narrative that wants to be, he wants it served, and he's going to serve that at the cost of American lives. That is not good leadership. Yeah, it seems like I, I think one disconnect that people have is that there's so much information out there and like like I, I can see it in my own family. Like my mom, she'll watch CNN nonstop and then my dad will watch like Fox News and it's like, you know, two there's these two diametrically opposed messages being put out there. Mm. And it's not I don't I don't think people are bad. I think it's just that they've been given information that is something that they want to believe or something that they 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 trust this person or they trust that person and right because there is so much information out there and and george, those people are working george, so hard george we already it's not that we are the only people fighting this i know new zealand, oh, been, new zealand has been able to curtail it yeah. been able to curtail it right all these yeah. other developed nations have been able to curtail it except us Except us. Yeah. So it's not that, oh my God, we have no path. We have a path. Yeah. It's proven. They've done it before. They did it. Why right. can't we just follow that path? What is this about? Is this about you forwarding your agenda and your narrative because you, because it's so ego driven that you don't want to look like an idiot because you earlier on when the pandemic hit said that this was a fucking hoax and we all know it's not a fucking hoax. Right. Is that what this is about? Because you want to serve your ego? Or are we going to get on a path of, you know, bringing the virus down, curtailing it and getting the country back on track? What is this about? I think it's about money. I think that like the multinational corporations don't want to lose market share. And if you look at like Wall Street, like they're having like, Lord knows what kind of corruption is happening up there right now. Just the biggest transfer of wealth from working people to to the top one percent. And I think that, you know, when they made the law, they said, okay, anybody that has less than 500 employees, you guys have to stop. But if you have more than 500, you can make whatever rules you want. And it seems to me that, you know, the multinationals have this idea of people being the same as interchangeable parts and that they're mm -hmm. not willing to lose profit regardless yeah. of how many people die. And I think that's who runs the, I think that's who runs, you know, I think, I, I think it was John Dewey who said that government is the shadow cast upon the people by business. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the businesses right now, like they're they're having record years. You know, you look at Bezos, like just almost He's a trillionaire. He's a trillionaire. And his, yeah, and look at the people in Amazon. Like, look at like people are dying in that building. And 
you know, you got people like Kevin Hart going on Rogan talking about how much he loves Jeff Bezos. You know, it's like, you dummy, don't say that. I, I hate that. And like, you know, for me, as a person that delivers packages, like, I, I feel I got really down this week because I, I found my self in a position where, like, how can I ethically deliver a package to an elder care home when I know that there's COVID in my building? And why are we not telling the community about this? And I, you know, I, like, I, I couldn't sleep, you know, and I, my um, wife's like, take it easy, George, what's wrong with you, you know? So yeah. I, I went in and I started at the bottom and I started talking to the, the low level guys and I go, look, this is a, do you think this is ethical? And, you know, I, I started getting answers like, my opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, that made me furious. And so I took it as far as I could to the number one guy in Hawaii. And I said, listen, let me ask you something. Yeah. How am I supposed to ethically go to these places? Like, why don't we do something productive? I mean, something proactive instead of reactive. Like, you know, we're not doing anything. And on top of that, why don't we tell the community? Why don't we get out in front of this thing? And you know, right. this guy said to me, like, well, it's not just us. Like, he gave me this total non-answer that was so, it just saddened me. Like, dude, you're supposed yeah. to be the leader. You're supposed to be the guy that everybody looks up to. And when we come to you with a problem, your answer is, well, I'll ask the guys in the boardroom. Like that's, yeah. and it just, yeah. I think it's- well, a, You have, you have it's 10 a, other leaders to respond to. Yeah, yeah. And they all have the same narrative, right? So it all yeah. comes down from the top, right? Right. The same, the same with our government right now, the same with any corporation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. You're right about the fact that we are definitely have become an oligarchy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think if you, if a, some if somebody tries to come and challenge me on that, I'm like, look at look at who are your decision makers right now. They're all billionaires. Yeah. It's oligarchy. It's straight up oligarchy. I mean that that is what's happening. We have yeah. a reality TV show guy who claimed himself to be a billionaire, and now he's the president of the United States. What are we looking at here? We are looking at an oligarchy. You think? Right. You know, uh, when uh, when one of the officials from the Trump administration comes out and says, we'll give you a $1,200 stimulus check and that should hold you over for t for 10 weeks. Do you understand how detached that person is? Yeah. You know how detached they are from reality of Americans of <laughs> how if you have look, I'm a single girl and I have a dog. Right. If you are a family of two and you lost your job. uh and you can't find job, um, and the unemployment is gonna run out as well. How much is that twelve hundred dollar gonna hold you over, right? How, how how long do you think that's gonna hold you over? Twelve hundred bucks? It's nothing. It's nothing. The minimum, uh, you know, based on the family, you should be getting at least three grand a month just to hold you over, control the virus, pay the money. Look, if we have money for AK forty sevens. And if we have money for helicopters and we have money for highly militarized weapons that can freaking take out like a a, 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 a freaking a, a whole uh, like a slew of uh, rhinoceros in one shot, then we have enough money to feed Americans. We have enough money to take care of our you yeah. Know. If we have senators and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, government officials retiring on full salaries, all insurance paid on your dime and my dime, then there is enough fucking money to take care of Americans. Don't right. fucking come at me with this bullshit that you don't have money. You yeah. have plenty of money. Whenever it comes to military and policing and all that shit, you yeah. guys have money. We talk yeah. about education and healthcare. There's no money. Stop it. Stop right. it. We're not stupid. We're not stupid.
right? You see, the, the 1200 bucks when they, when they say 1200 bucks should hold you through, what they're really saying is that we need to buy these people off for more time at the least amount of possible. I think that the stimulus, it's not trying to help people. It's trying to limit the amount of people in the streets. And they want to do just enough, but not too much. Like they don't want people to be comfortable. They want they want to pay people to to buy more time is what's happening, I think. And you know what? Like there used to be a there used to be Here's a the problem, George. How do you buy more time when the leader of the country is consist consistently going against the scientists? He's consistently right. You know, you wear a mask one day, the other day you say the masks don't work. The social distance, you know, not really. So, I mean, you can, but uh, you can, but uh, stop it. The moment yeah. Trump came out and said, put a mask on, do you know that his supporters, 56% went on and started putting on masks? He has so yeah. much power, but he, yeah. is not, he does not feel responsible for it. We are in deep shit. Yeah, we are. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the American people. And I don't he think doesn't. anybody... But his supporters think... believe that, George, and it's scary. It's mm. fucking scary. Look at what's happened yesterday. You, United States Postal Service is going on and mm. removing sort of like mailboxes. When yeah. has that ever happened in the history of the United States, George? Tell me. Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell bad. you as a person who grew up under a dictatorship in Pakistan, this is how dictators come into existence. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I, I think that you're going to see it. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, I think you're going to see a contested election. And that's when it's going to be a massive fight. We all know yeah, that. I know. It's the point of how corrupt is it going to be? How is it going to get violent? Is it Absolutely. going to get violent? Yeah. He already planted the seed for his supporters to come out and say, you know, if I don't, he was yeah. asked by journalists earlier on, hey, if you don't, if you lose, what are you going to do? And, you know, are you going to leave peacefully? And he goes, well, we'll see. He goes, let me tell you something. If I lost, there will be a civil war. What is yeah. he calling for, George? Yeah, it's it's horrendous. It's you think this person cares about this country? He cares about you and me? He doesn't give a fuck. No, I don't think any politicians do. I, I think that you know, you know what I was thinking yesterday? Like, why is it that when I don't George, I don't know about any politician. There is a man named Bernie Sanders. Yes, his ideas could be a little too yeah. for some people, but I like Bernie. That he, yeah, everything that he's been talking about is not that far fetched. It's not. How come, he, how come he backed down? Like, like he could have won, like against Hillary. Like, if he would have stood up, I think the people would have backed him. Don't even get me started on the Democratic Party, George. <laughs> I am not. I am not an independent. I, I'm an yeah. independent. I. That's how I register. I will vote. I will make my own decision. I don't need yeah. to what affiliation I need to have. Yeah, I like Tulsi. I wish she would have. I wish she would have stayed. I really liked her. She's I, a little bit of a Manchurian candidate for me. She's, is she? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's got, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I, for me, I never really know what Tulsi Gubbard believes in. She is mm. very much about, uh, what do you like? She's that person. It's like, mm. hey, I'm hungry. Uh, you know, let's go eat something. Or really, what do you want to, oh, forget about me. What do you want to do? You know, it's about right. like, what's going to get her to the next level rather than saying, this is what I believe in. This is who I am. Mm. You know, um, I'm the, I'm the, I haven't been a fan of Tulsi, quite frankly. Um, mm. I want to, but I, I, can, I just can't get behind that. You know, you know, I, there was this law that was, there used to be a tax that said there can be no profits in a time of war. Yeah. You know, there, there could be, and that, that would, 
like, like you said, like there's plenty of money. Like we give so much money in foreign aid and we give so much money to all these companies that go and suck the resources out of third world countries. Like people don't have clean water in Michigan. Like why can't we as Americans have the money that's our tax money? You know, I, I, it, it drives me nuts. It just, it kills me. Listen, we have uh, we have money to go and uh, philander around and to give for bullshit things, but we yeah. don't have uh, Flint, Michigan still has, you know, dirty water. Uh, yeah. Puerto Rico uh, can't get their supplies. They can't, uh, you know, they're being tossed, uh, uh, you know, uh, paper towels uh, by the president. Right. Like, you get a paper towel and you get it. Stop. <laughs> It's just, it's just this, it's just overwhelming what is, is. Uh, what is happening right now. But you know what? Maybe we needed that as Americans. We really need I it. I think so. We really need, I think we got a little too comfortable. We got a little too comfortable listening to people who don't have the best intentions at heart for us. That's what yeah. happened. We got a little lazy. Yeah, we got lazy and, and now we are definitely paying for it. Uh, not just uh, with our money, we're paying for it with our lives. And yep. this election, we are literally fighting for our lives. This election, we are fighting for our lives, uh, George. Uh, I don't know uh, how many people, I mean, I, I made that post yesterday on my Facebook page and I was like, why are people not outraged? And thank God today in DC, right outside of DeJoy's house, who's the guy who ordered for the removal of the postal uh, mailboxes and stuff, there is a massive protest right outside his house. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, you go and tell him exactly how you feel. Yeah. As Americans, you have to take my vote out of my dead claw hands. I love it. Claim yourself to yep. be fucking illegitimate winner. Like that's not gonna happen. And I think that's the one thing that Americans are like historically have been so, look, we've, we've had elections through World War II. Are yep. you kidding me? You know, yeah. the president comes out and says we should delay the elections. No, go fuck yourself. We're not going to delay, delay the elections, okay? Right. We can, go through, we can go through World War II and have elections. We can very much go through a fucking virus pandemic, which was your job to come fix, by the yeah. way. You totally fucked up on. And now you're telling me that uh, I have to delay. And also, you keep telling people that the schools need to be reopened and DeVos keeps going out and saying that the schools need to be reopened and kids need to go back to school. So let me understand this. The, the schools need to be reopened. I should go out and jeopardize the lives of my children, including myself and my family. But it's the virus is too dangerous to go to the voting booth and to put, my, put in my vote. Is that correct? Is that, <laughs> do you think we're fucking stupid? You think we're not processing this? Right. What do you think, what do you think is happening over here? Um, but, uh, but, uh, uh, just so you know, I have to head out in like two minutes. Okay. All right. I have a class that I need to go to. Listen, I, I talk about this all day, every day. I do two hour live streams every single day. I, I just, I, I'm scared for all of us. I really am. I, I, I can tell you as somebody who came out of a dictatorship and made a life here, I, my knees are giving out. I, my lower back is hurting. I don't have the energy to pick myself up and move to another country at this age. It's just not happening. This is not, happen not happening, George. I'm gonna fight this and do everything in my power I can, you know, to to get the right leaders in office to just get our country back on track. Yeah, I love it, Mona. You're so passionate. You're an amazing woman, and I, I'm so thankful oh. that I got to talk to you. Like I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I. 
I, I love your story and I love your passion. And I, I'm so thankful that I got some time to, to meet you and talk to you. I just want to say thank you very much for that. Oh my God. No, thank you. This was really lovely. I should uh, bring you, you know, you need to come on my live stream too. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, we would, I would love to talk about uh, what life is like in Hawaii. I mean, oh, it's absolutely. beautiful back there. Is it, what's the temperature? What's the, what's the weather like today? Can you see behind me? Like the sun's yeah. just kind of coming up. It's about 7.30. It's going to be about 84 degrees with about 84% humidity. And um, it's so green and... and beautiful. You know, yeah, it really is. It really is. I feel really lucky. It's I a beautiful it. place. I love it. No, it looks beautiful. But George, this was a lot of fun. I have to run off. I hear you. And, uh, I have a crazy busy day today. But thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. I I think I'm the lucky one. So thank uh, you. I hope you have a great day. And I look yeah. forward to talking to you more, Mona. If you ever thank need anything, if I can ever do anything to you, please so don't to reach out. And I'm, I'm probably going to email you from time to time. So be ready. Please, please do. I okay. would love that. I would, I would love that. But if people, if your followers want to, Follow me. They can uh, definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is okay. at, uh, my name, Mona, M-O-N-A, Shake, S-H-A-I-K-H, -H, uh, Comedian, just Mona Shake Comedian. They can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like I mentioned, Monday through Friday, I have my YouTube live streams. I bring on, uh, I have Congresswoman uh, from California coming on as I my saw that. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. So just uh, working on bringing on bringing on a lot of bigger guests. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Mona's Comedy and Instagram. And Mona Shake Comedian also on Facebook. And that's that's it for plugs for me. And you can also go on my website. I have a comedy album out if you want to check it out. It's just my name, monashake.com. You can check my comedy album out. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And all the links will be on my page too. So I hope you have a great day, Mona. And Thank I'll talk to you yours. soon. Thank you. Yep. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.